What are your respective roles in the business? I basically do sales and marketing. And Craig does all the nerd stuff. We keep him. We don't <laughs> like for him. We don't like for him to show his face. When I hired when I hired Craig, I just wanted him to say that. I'm, I'm just kidding. thankful for the job. Thankful for the job. He's the rainmaker. The, he's the face of Meyer Dunlap. I, I love playing pranks on Kirk and, and one of them that I did for PPI Vegas is I signed him up for PPAI and put his title as the face. <laughs> for this show? Is for it for this show? show? Yeah, it's nice. thing right now. Nice. Yeah, I love it. Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Craig Dunlap and Kirk Meyer run an $8 million distributorship out of Dallas, Texas called Meyer Dunlap. Friends since the fourth grade, they've led their distributorship through a host of changes, most notably a conscious cut in 30% of their revenues, which led eventually to a 30% increase in gross profit. Hi friends, I'm Bobby Lehu, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew, and at the PPAI Expo in January, I sat down with Craig and Kirk to explore their story of how they've managed to build a successful company through a strong partnership. We discuss multiple topics, including their business focus and infrastructure, their values, which are creatively expressed in the acrostic Gimme Magic, and their outlook on e-commerce and the future of the profession. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Craig and Kirk, and I hope our listeners get a chance to meet them someday. Very encouraging entrepreneurs whose reinvention story is pure inspiration. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit CommonSkew.com. And now from the PPAI Expo, my conversation with Craig and Kirk. <laughs> yeah, no. So well, in terms of gross sales revenue, where, where are you guys at? We're at eight and a half million. Eight and a half million. In, in 2017. And you grew by 30% in 2017. Uh, we grew, we, so we did 7 million the year before, but um, we had a huge gross profit growth in, that was about 30% in 2017, which is more important. Well, absolutely. More important what, do you attribute, so. what do you attribute that to? We've made some structure changes over the past couple of years. We made the decision a couple of years ago that we couldn't provide the same level of service to some of our clients as others. So our model is like is basically like an ad agency. So you've got business development. We have two business development guys, me and another guy, Tommy. And we go out and get the business and we have account executives that service the accounts. And so our model, what we believe, instead of competing with these online e-commerce stuff and these companies that have enormous sales forces, is to just give heavy, heavy catered service to our clients. And that's what we do. And in order to do that, to do that, we have to have a very specific client list. So our client list is pretty small. Um, and we're pretty selective on that just so we can give that level of service on purpose. And, and part of that story, there was a re-engineering you went through in terms of co- mm-hmm. cultivating that client list, if that's fair to say, or restructuring the types of clients you serve. Yeah, we hit a point, yeah. we hit a point a few years ago where we had a really large client base and it, and it was great. We loved working with them, but we kind of hit a point where we realized we were providing 
the same level of service mm. to our largest client yeah. um, that did 30% of our revenue as we were the six T-shirt bachelor party. Right, order. right. Um, and that's just the way that we are. We, we couldn't turn off the yeah. levels of service. And so we kind of hit a point where we were just exhausted with the amount of work that we had to do, even on the smaller orders. And we just said, we had some people mentoring us and say, take a look at, take a look at client numbers and take a look at revenue. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the 80, yeah. 20 uh, story on steroids, but we were also, uh, Kurt kind of alluded to it. We were given some good advice as we were building this business. Be careful about building a, you know, a large sales force. And this came from, from my dad's experience, but they'll, you know, when they build up a book of business, they can always leave with it. Right. And, you know, he had 10 to 15 companies start out of his business and his advice was, wow. you know, try to do as much of the selling yourselves yeah. or you could become a, a sales management company. They're kind of two roads you can go down. And I guess a third is now e-commerce. And, and we decided we were going to, uh, we just, our mentality just fits more of the, the agency type model yeah. that Kirk was speaking about. So you 80, 20, Eighty mm-hmm. percent of your revenues, twenty percent of your clients, and then you—it's probably more like ninety-five. Okay, come ninety-five-five, right for us. Which, yeah, yeah. Did you take a hit in gross sales? We did. It was about thirty percent of our revenue the year that we did it when we decided to. And you knew that when you were looking at the numbers, was that hard decision to make? So scary. Uh, I was. I wasn't necessarily as scared about the the money. It was more the referral, right opportunities and the the reputation people talking bad about you right. oh they didn't want it but we we did it we were very strategic about it. we partnered with another company which helped Perfect. which is a great company yeah and so they're getting the same well i don't know probably the same level of service yeah we tested uh, them ahead of time yeah we, they're we, really good yeah. so it's not like we're getting rid of them we're just partnering with another company yeah. to, to do that work yeah and so Anyway, I was I was mostly scared of the referrals, but when we really started looking at it, we found that that's not really the case. Yeah, we got we were getting a lot of our referrals from the big clients. Yeah, that's a that's a big bold decision. You know, you're going to take a thirty percent hit in your revenues, but in the long term, this is going to be healthier. And now you're looking at where you had thirty percent growth and gross gross profit. It wasn't an overnight deal for us. We we um, we attempted to reduce service levels depending on yeah. revenue. So our first attempt at it didn't go very well. We, we kind of said, all right, let's, let's make a margin that works with the level of service or let's scale back service a little bit. And we started right. getting complaints from our, from our existing clients, from some of our personal clients. And it just kind of dawned on us over time. We can be more in line with our values and with our customer service mentality and with our, you know, just love for our clients. If we find them a partner that's going to provide the level of service that we used to. Right. Because we just, we weren't going to be able to provide the same level of service. Yeah. And they needed, they still needed that. So, so that's where that referral part. There's also, it was also a management disaster to try to tell someone, I want you to give these people the greatest service ever and give these people half-assed service. (laughs) Right. I mean, how do you manage that? Right. It's like, oh, no, no, no. That person's not worth it. Just Mm -hmm. right. Like it was, and the truth is they are worth it. Yeah. But But that's an attempt. I'm guessing then that's really a desperate attempt to hang on to the revenues. Right. But 
really it, it was the revenues and also what Kirk was saying about kind of saving face. We know we we a lot of our clients are are based in Dallas or a lot of our clients were based in Dallas yeah. and yeah. we see them around. We see them in the community sure. and, and you know I I've, I've had to tell family members look we're just not a good fit for you anymore and and so that can be a that can be a hard discussion to yeah. have. In the end everyone has been happier at the decision. Those clients that we found a partner, clients that we still work with, we're able to ramp up uh, even better service for them. We get made fun of before. The, yeah, we do. Yeah. We're too big time. Yeah. Craig's brother-in-law really hammers them. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I hear about that every Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> uh, by the way, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, with, so with Robin, you know, we had a couple of stores and programs and I have my brother and, you know, they're all, I have three brothers that are preachers and I do not, do not come to me for your t-shirts. <laughs> I don't want business. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's a little you know hard, it, but you know it. so did you identify w- when you made the decision to work with the right type of customers? Mm-hmm. Was this mm-hmm. a matter of just whoever was the biggest, or did you also identify a type of client? It it definitely starts with a with a revenue number. We talk about it a lot, and are they going to be a good fit for us? What exactly are they asking us to do? Right, and just a just a list of attributes. How many buyers do they have? What's their average order size? Yeah, how are they buying? Is it a is it a program based thing? Is it is it all custom? Is it all in one fell swoop, but you've got to spend a lot of time on it? How much creative is needed? So, yeah. so there's constant dialogue. Kirk and I meet quarterly. And one of the topics in our quarterly meeting is, all right, who do we need to look at from a, you know, are they, are they profitable? Are they a good fit for us? Are they yeah. a good fit for our culture? That sort of thing. And we get feedback from the employees on that. What are your respective roles in the business? You want me to answer? I basically do sales and marketing. Okay. Primarily in sales management. And Craig does all the nerd stuff. We keep him. We don't like for we don't like for him to show his face. When I hired when I hired Craig, I just wanted him to say that. I'm, I'm just thankful for the job. Thankful for the job. He's the rainmaker. The, he's the face of Hired Dunlap. I, I love playing pranks on Kirk and, and one of them that I did for PPI Vegas is I signed him up for uh PPAI and put his title as the face. <laughs> <laughs> for this show, is for it for this show? show? Yeah, it's on, it's nice on this thing, right? Now. Nice, yeah, I love it. Be, yeah. I love it. It works really well because we're both we're both good at. I mean, he basically runs a company, and I'm yeah, so right yeah. now. Now, is there a type of client that fits your DNA? Is there a particular type of client you serve? Is that is that services? Do you do program business? Like, what's what's basically your your UVP? We don't talk about any uh any type of value proposition or something the, the the clients that we end up dealing with are the ones that value uh really value our values and we can get into that later but yeah. that that are a good fit that that value a good relationship and the and what what happens you know when you have a good relationship with a vendor who's a partner right. um really just just is in line with that so so we have both and Kirk will talk more about it, but we have both an external set of values and an internal set of values. Okay. And um, whether the client is looking for our external values, that's just how it's worked out. When we made our values, we sat down and he said, why do clients buy from us? Why do they, um, why do they not buy from us? You yeah. know, what, what, what are we good at? Um, we don't do much program business. Uh, we found ourselves to be much more of a creative shop, um, you know, the creative in both the services and the products we offer, uh, you know, various different places to, to, we look at it as a service. If our client needs it, if it makes sense, 
then we'll do it. How many employees? We have 11 full-time. And in-house graphic design, obviously? No. no. Outsource at all? We try to outsource as much as we can. And you're um, a creative agency? Yeah. The, the, the reason behind that is we have found that clients will come to us for point of purchase. They'll mm-hmm. come to us for T-shirt design. They'll come to us for brochure design or digital design or, or various different things. And our philosophy on it is, uh, with technology these days, the, the, um, the ability to find designers who specifically do t-shirts, who specifically do retail t-shirts or corporate t-shirts, right. you know, there, there are, uh, people are, are somewhat specialized in, yeah. in the design world. Yeah. And so we, you know, we go to a certain designer for point of purchase, certain design yeah, for t-shirts. That makes sense. As so, opposed to having somebody who really you're stuck with that style mm-hmm. and whatever their, yeah. their specialty yep. is. Mm-hmm. We've got a pretty good network. I mean, I think that's the one thing that's great about being in Dallas. There's just a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. And we've worked with agencies. Yeah, we have our we agency have a, clients who are designers. They all do this they'll, on the they'll side. moonlight. Right. As, right. Know, so we're agency-level designers yeah. um, in all these fields. This is good news for those. There's young entrepreneurs listening to this that look at your brand, look at your company, and they want to emulate what you're doing, and yet they don't have the resources to invest. They think they have to build that in, internally. Mm-hmm. I know it was difficult for us. Was it difficult to get that stable of designers and artists or not because of the market that you're in? Did it take you a while? You do do a little bit of testing back and forth, but as far as the just having names to call on, no, that's never been a problem. Okay. Never been a problem. Yeah. That's cool. Um, You know, technology is out there. There's, there's an Uber of everything as as people say. And, and, uh, and there's an Uber of developers and designers and yeah, you, you, you can find them. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, we're pretty, I mean, the amount of money we spend on artists, we could easily pay for one right not to but right. it, yeah probably more than one yeah but it just makes to to us it just makes sense and we've told we've told our artists we got to be fast because that's the major advantage yeah of having it in-house it's like i need it right now can mm-hmm. you get it and i don't think we've mm-hmm. had that much of a problem with it that's great yeah uh, can we talk a little bit about your your core values your core values are in an acrostic <laughs> You want to know what our core values are? And, and the acrostic is "Give me magic." Now you yeah. both you both magic. laughed. Is well, what's the laughter for? Well, well, it's not funny. I shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the laughter because of the what, well, what it took to develop it's, this? It's it's, it's not uh, necessarily the acrostic that that most people are used to hearing. I mean, it's, right? It's, okay. it's slang, and it's it's kind of you know, give me magic. It, yeah, it's give me magic. Right. Um, but it's it's memorable, yeah, and uh, it it really that alone is a is a good indicator of our culture. You know, we have a fun right. culture, it's, right? You know, silly at times, but but we're, the, we so, preach them every single day. Yeah, whatever. we are. We're part of a. It's called C twelve. It's like I, a Vistage or a, yeah. a YPO or okay. an EO or something like right. that. Yeah, monthly. Christian yeah. business owner. Yeah. So it's like half ministry stuff and half business. Okay. And, um, you know, values is a big thing, but it's also, you can have values, but if nobody knows them or remembers them, yeah, then it doesn't matter. I mean, they're just going to be out in some, in some handbook. Yeah. So, so what is, what I was challenged to, to come up with, like, you need to communicate this. What are you going to do about that? So we had a, we had a set of we values. We already had the values. We there. had the values 
and we just realized that people couldn't recite them. They couldn't, right. they couldn't name the, the values. And so I told Kirk, I said, Hey, we got to find some way to make it memorable. Can you, can you get on that? And he went in a cave somewhere and came out with, <laughs> with, with a business. Came goals. out with magic. <laughs> Give me magic. magic. Greater relationships, innovative ideas, mindset of improvement, move fast and dot, 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 break things. We ripped that off of Facebook. Like that. You know that. <laughs> yeah. An exceptional customer service. The gimme is for how we handle our clients. We really believe you do those five things, then you're going to win nine times out of 10. And then the, the magic is internal. So we make it rain the right way. We, we win with integrity. We're not going to cheat and, you know, cook the books. <laughs> I, I, I would, but Craig won't. The, uh, Sales guy. Yeah. Uh, Attitude of happy flexibility. Nice. I like that. <laughs> Some of these are forced, but that's okay. We got gimme magic. Uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's not yeah. forced. I love it's, it's it. It's not forced. <laughs> Attitude of happy flexibility. You're in a small business. I you like gotta, that one. You got to wear a lot of hats sometimes. Yeah, you, you do. Know? Yeah. Gracious. You got to, people are going to make mistakes. You got to be nice and, and be a grace-filled company. Um, improve lives with a servant attitude. Yeah. If we're constantly thinking about other people's lives, you know, how can we improve our coworkers' lives? That's great. And then cheerful. We're a pretty fun company. We're kind of quirky. Got a lot of great personalities. Why did you think it was important to crystallize these? And it's a smart idea, this acrostic. I mean, we laugh, but it's fantastic. So the first word is for customers, the other one's eternal. Right. Just remodeled the office, and that's the first thing you see. It's it's great. Onboarding onboarding new folks, culture. Why, Why do you think that's important? How, and how does it affect the day-to-day? You said you talk about this almost every day. So in some context or some conversation, one of your values is being talked about every day. Yeah, it's, it, it's every, it touches every part of the business. I think that's yeah. what was impressed on us in, in, uh, by other business owners that we meet with. And I mean, you, it has to permeate everything you do, and it does. And yeah. the importance of it is you know, when you're looking at hiring somebody, do they fit our core values? Do their references make allusions to, to them uh, living out our core values? And then yeah. do our clients fit and appreciate uh, what they're going to get on the external uh, values do they appreciate that and are they going to you know be willing to work with us knowing that and then day to day when we have meetings with our employees we go to it all the time if you've got a problem in the office you know how what what within the the realm of magic how, how should you approach that problem with a coworker how should you yeah. approach that problem with the client or whatever and and we we found that kind of the the results start to speak for themselves yeah, people cool. are thinking about it. Let's get back to sales for a little bit on your infrastructure. You said eight million in sales and you have a few salespeople in that traditional eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Every dollar counts. Yeah, man. That half million. Yep. Seriously, That's I understand. What we started with. I understand <laughs> magic. So you have a different kind of infrastructure. This industry is really bad about the way they gauge uh, uh, other businesses. They gauge it by number of salespeople, some kind of weird metric that doesn't work anymore because you can. Well, it works for some people. Well, that's true. I'm sorry. Some models, some of the models that still are around, you're exactly right. Uh, It doesn't work anymore as the defining metric for a successful organization. And what's your infrastructure like then when you say you have a couple of account executives, right? But you have internal teams that are selling, what does that oh, like? yeah. So each of our clients has a team assigned to it. So within that team, you have your project manager, which is um, on most accounts is an account executive. Um, we have a 
business development manager that that also manages projects, but that person's the day-to-day contact. And then you have a business development person, which would be myself or Tommy, our sales guy. Tommy from sales, that's what we call him. <laughs> <laughs> so we have him, and then we have someone in our production department. We have a production department, which is after the order's placed, they take it to the finish line, okay. and then accounting. Well, in order to properly service a client, all these people need to be working together. Yeah. So we work as a team. We have team meetings. Um, and each team handles a, a, a book of business. And is this based Typically, on? Th- yeah, like um, one to three accounts typically Okay, per, um, per team. And um, it's, I mean, it works well. We, so we have these meetings and all we do in these meetings is product selection and project execution. Let's yeah. just, what are we doing our project selection? So it's like, you know, where are the revenue streams? Where can we find more revenue? Like what are some product ideas we need to come up with? What are some ways of selling in a product that we need to do? Yeah. And the second one's getting to the finish line. That's all about, you know, accounting and making sure things are deliver on time. So if you have a, client that's super fast paced and last minute all the time well that affects everybody right. that affects what we're selling in right the products that affects the execution of the project it affects accounting yeah or if we have someone that's really slow moving and yeah. they want awesome ideas way out of the box stuff all the time that's a different yeah. approach to it. what i can appreciate about your 80 20 your re-engineering in the in the 80 20 role that you're working with these top clients is it sounds like you're really aggressively trying to grow widely into different categories, different areas, and that gives you, it really allows you to focus more. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's the, yes. It allows everybody to not spread themselves too thin. Right. So all the way from sales, being able to go real deep in building a better relationship to the account executives as they think of new product ideas. If you can spend more time thinking about a client and the ideas that you, that you want to show, the client's going to be happier. And then production, they're able to, they're able to standardize processes and, and make things flow a lot smoother. And, yeah. yeah. Was this a structure that was basically also always inherent in your business or did you shift from the old traditional sales model? You never really did that because you mentioned that, that you were cautioned away from that. We kind of always had the salesperson brings it in and passes it off to an account executive right. type model. But because we had so many clients... The account executives were just, they just didn't have time to think outside of some very standard products and yeah, just very, very overwhelmed. And even sales was overwhelmed. Look at this client list that I've got to call on so many different people and different groups and there's better opportunities here. The structure was kind of there, but we were able to fully use the structure once we, once we made some of the client shifts. I'm sorry to focus on that so much, but but by re-engineering type of customers, you're serving your equilibrium, your own peace of mind, stress, mm-hmm. probably reduced dramatically. And then you also freed up probably for the first time for some people, proactive selling opportunities because mm-hmm. that's the, this industry is just plagued with nothing Reaction. but reactive sales. Exactly right. And so proactive selling is just very difficult to do when you're, when you're just right. hustling that way. So when it first kicked in was kind of early part of last year, maybe middle part of last year. Uh, at one point, Kirk and I looked up at each other and said, wow, we've got, we got time to, to go work on a new project or, or yeah. work on some new opportunities or st- start to spread out a little bit. That's huge. Um, and then, you know, we go and fill it back up and, yeah. uh, you, you and run Craig out of time mysteriously again, you know. won his club championship in golf. 
his yeah. golf game got better. Yeah. Really golf, good. Golf's a big part of this industry. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Clients Wine and dine clients. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I'm not the sales guy. <laughs> Before we talk we, about flexible workspace, we have that too. Do you? you can work from anywhere at yeah, Meyer Dunlap. Yeah. That's it's, cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, is this a is this a battle? You guys are cutting eyes at each other. Is this uh No, he's just he's kicked it into sales mode and you know he's wanting to sell our company. Is it, I, I know what he's thinking. It's like a it's a business marriage we're in. I know what's happening here. <laughs> okay. uh, anyway. uh, so Anywho. how long have you guys known each other? Uh fourth grade. So uh we're thirty seven. Um how uh, well, I don't know what the math is, but right. yeah, getting, okay. getting close to 30 years now. Any secrets to successful partnership you can share? Yeah. People ask that a lot and we didn't, we didn't set it up like this. And I, I'm people ask, you know, what kind of partnership I have. I, I think the secret to our success is we are not interested in the same things at all. Really? And which sounds kind of, sounds kind of funny, but um, I'm able to go work on the stuff that improves the business that I love doing. And Kirk's able to go improve the business that he loves doing. And, um, you know, we, we look up at the end of the week and we barely talk to each other, but the business has gotten better. So I, I think it's kind of a yin and yang thing or just a opposites attract. We didn't necessarily think of that when we formed the partnership, but right. well, I truly believe if you, with a partnership, it can, I mean, you've heard all the horror stories. I can sure. I truly believe that if you can trust the person and if they work as hard as you. The work ethic and the trust is there. Yeah. Anything can be figured out. Yeah. There's a lot of factor that of us being kind of equally yoked in values in, you know, when we started, we both needed to make the same amount of money. We yeah. were both in a similar life stage. So I, I think that's helped. I wouldn't necessarily say that's the reason, but that's, that's also helped. Yeah. That's cool. You already answered this about stores. You don't do program business really. Are you, are you sure? A little bit. A little a bit. Little okay. Bit. It's okay. got to, again, it's kind of got to fit into our. A few years ago, we had about 10, 10 programs, and they were programs that employees at the clients had started just to show their boss they had a program. Right, sure. Revenue yeah. was in right. the, um, you know, very low thousand bucks yeah. on one of them. And it was just it was like, you know, we, we charged them to start it up, but it, they're so, programs are hard. They're very they're hard. hard. Yeah. Very and, hard. and so we kind of take the same mindset. We, we've got some very good program partners in the industry. We've got good software to handle it, but, um, it's gotta be a good fit. So, so the programs that we now run are, are good programs, yeah. good fits. You, this, you probably have already answered this with the restructuring reengineering that you did, but are there high in, in your history now? Are there high watermarks in the business, highs or lows that you guys have had that are that really stand out as you've grown your business? The reason why I ask this question, there's entrepreneurs in various seasons of their existence right now, maybe hit a low watermark, maybe a high watermark. I think um, from a you know the high watermarks, their their clients are bringing us new fun projects yeah. all the time. And for me, doing some of the the fun projects that that make national news, where we give made, me an example, we made wooden emojis, full size wooden emojis for the Conan O'Brien show, and that was so cool. And he sold two thousand of them at a hundred dollars a pop in one night. It was so fun to see that. And then Dr. Pepper, Larry character for their college football. We did the Halloween costumes nice. for them. And, and, uh, it's, it's little things like that that are just, you know, validating to what we do. Yeah. As far as lows go, for me, it was probably a, either last year, 2016 or the year before when we were just 
everybody was just killing themselves workload wise. Yeah. And we didn't really have much to speak for. The growth was, was pretty good, but we were just, we were just stressing ourselves out. So when we finally, it's kind of the low mark, but then flipped into last year being just a fun year was seeing growth and seeing a little more work life balance than we had in previous years. Yeah. So I would also say that without question, we've got the best people we've ever had right now. Yeah. Yeah, We had nobody leave. We had no, no turnover at all. We we don't really have any bad apples. I mean, it's It's great. great. Everyone believe everyone has great working relationships. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. We should put that. (laughs) Well, well, it's true. Everyone works well together. You know, it's funny about the the stress before the recession. I remember an employee coming to my office and, and bonuses were good. Sales were good before the recession. You could make stupid money in this business and people just buying like crazy. And I remember an employee coming in and saying, Hey man, you know what? I never made this much money in my life, but I've also don't know I've ever been so miserable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was interesting that post recession, we were able to see it clearer, but we were, what we were saying, it was yes to everything kind of model. And that's Mm -hmm. where that kill you, bury you in this business. If you're a yes to everything. Absolutely. What do you guys think about the future of the business, the future of the industry? How do you feel about yours? And then that's a loaded question. Maybe Mm -hmm. how do you feel about the future of the business in the industry? I'd like to say something to that. I had employee come into our office and says, Walmart's getting into the business. Like all stress about it. And I was right. like, but I, Walmart is not going to be a problem. Right. And I think the reason for that, because there will always be a need for catered direct service to our clients. Walmart, they might win enormous e-commerce, whatever. Right. But there's always going to be a need for just heavy service. High touch clients. Because these these clients are just moving fast and they're doing things. You got to be flexible. You got to be. Yep. You know. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, I'm really, I guess the, that's towards yeah. e-commerce. But, but I'm, uh, I'm really into the technology side of it. And I, I love what uh, some of the stuff that's going on technology wise in, in the industry, we tell our employees all the time, we're going to try to automate as much as we can. You're not going to lose your job as long as you focus on critical thinking and problem solving. Because you just can't automate that. Maybe they will someday, but that's not going to be in our lifetime. And and there are so many. Everybody in this industry knows that there are so many problems. There are so many variables to a single product. You think about a pen and the color and the ink yeah. and the barrel yeah. and the clip and and everything like that. So so if they can be problem solving and thinking like that, there will always be a need for that. Yeah. You know, I think the industry will bifurcate a little more e-commerce buyer and a large corporate buyer that things like inventory mm-hmm. always needing to be available. I mean, you can buy 250 pens off the internet, but what happens when you need to buy 50,000? So for both of you, what do you enjoy most about the business? The type paste. There's never a dull moment. Yeah. It's fun. They're fun people. They're, I, I really enjoy the people. I mean, I've got great relationships through yeah. it. Uh, saving the day is so much fun to me. Yeah. The client, our industry is a little bit of, I got an event coming up and I planned everything else out, but I forgot about the promotional products. Right. Can, can you get it done in time? Right. And, and that's fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. Retain clients. Yeah. Cool. yeah I love those. Day. Love those. And what, what aggravates you about the business? Anything? It's high pace. For me, it's as an advertising medium, we don't get enough credit yeah. for doing some really, really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, everybody's got their favorite t-shirt that they wear. Yeah. 
and everybody's got, you, you know, early on, I remember sitting in meetings with um, a, a junior level marketing person at a company and the CEO of this $100 million company would come in and have an opinion, you know, made the decision. And I remember thinking, a CEO does not need to be in here worrying about the promotional products and thinking that might be a waste of their time. But no, it's not because it's a really, I mean, it's your visible brand. That's right. There. So, so ultimately it's, you know, I, I wish that more people would respect how, just how, how cool some of this stuff is. I agree. I, I had presented yesterday in front of the PPAI board on storytelling, story selling. And one of the things I mentioned to them is this ridiculous inferiority complex we have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's based around us not telling the right story, yeah. the right clients, right from the client's perspective, and these kick-ass projects that, that yeah. we're all working on. Oh, yeah. Who influences you both? What in, in, in terms of people and also brands that you look up to and emulate? I love Richard Branson. That's, I just, there's no one that personifies move fast and break things more than him. Yeah. Mindset of improvement. He's all over the place. He wants to start an airlines. He just does it. Yeah. And we try to have that mentality. There's also some guy, I mentioned the C12 group that we're in. There's a lot of guys who are just awesome leaders and, and Craig's dad would be the third one. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo the C12 thing. The, the biggest decisions that we've made, we've been able to run by these guys. And, you know, we're kind of the young guys in the group. And I tell them all the time, I say, you know, I feel like we're stealing mistakes, meaning, meaning they've made the mistakes and we're stealing, you know, yeah. we're not having to live through the stress of, of a lot of the stuff because they're, they're able to advise us on, uh, Hey, I was there yeah. in your shoes and, and here's how you need to, how you need to handle this situation or make sure to do this. So you avoid this situation. And, and yeah, it's just been so instrumental in the, in how we organize and think about the business. Yeah. I want it. There's a, there's a guy in my group, so we're in separate groups, so we can talk bad about each other. But <laughs> yeah, it's the same organization, but same you're organization, but we're in yeah. separate groups. Interesting, yeah. And there's one guy in in my group that bankrupted himself in the print business mm. because he tried, he got too big for his britches, right? And there's a lot of, you know, if we ever get like cocky about things, we just go to our meeting and yeah, these guys can humble. This sounds uh, critical. There for for our, there's folks in the audience listening. That a lot of solopreneurs. This sounds like a very critical aspect of not only your partnership but your business. This organization, this mentorship that's oh, going huge. on. Oh yeah, it's huge. You know, I'd compare it to, to other people might have just an informal advisory board or something right. like that. But you got to have somebody that you can go to, and somebody's got to hear the problem. Yeah, because some everybody's got a unique take on it, and yeah. you know, your way is not always the right way. And so, yeah, yeah it's it's huge. For our listeners, then there's also if you're curious where to start, you don't know where to start. The Promo Kitchen has a mentorship program, and you can go to promokitchen.org and learn more about that. That's awesome. Any other folks? I don't know that you finished. Was there any other folks that you? Uh, uh, there's a client that we work with called the marketing arm it's an agency that me personally I, I really appreciate their culture and how they love their employees and and the employee loyalty that they, that they have that we do a lot of thinking of you know is is this kind of what they do and and uh it, is that how we should we should look at it yeah so, yeah. yeah i'd like to my old man he's a great businessman what does he do real estate but he's he's got good down-to-earth advice about a lot of things yeah okay so, and him and then Bruce Jolish, I mentioned him earlier, mm. but we learned a lot from Bruce. He's 
Yeah, he was great for the industry, Bruce, uh, as far as teaching us about the industry and you know how we handle, yeah. handle problems. That's cool. Um, both of our dads were really instrumental in getting us started from a financial standpoint, from yeah. you know, uh, co-signing on loans and things like that with basically no questions asked. I mean, they put a lot of a lot of trust in us to make sure that <laughs> they weren't hit with any any negative financials. So, yeah, um, yeah. We we really appreciate that. That's cool. I'm just like you guys on on the calling bullshit on on a lot of the e-commerce doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I, I ran across uh, a counselor, old counselor magazine. I was cleaning out uh, an old file cabinet in my garage and it was a 20 year old article and they were complaining about the same things we're complaining about. And you look at the, I think the industry is actually full of promise, full of hope. Mm-hmm. And those high touch clients, they need your services. They're always going to need those services. And I'm not, I'm that guy like, most people think I'm just burying my head in the sand about that. I don't think that at all. I think the industry is incredibly vibrant. Consolidation is going to keep happening, but not to an alarming degree where it's egregious or you know or difficult for folks in the business. But I, margins are still, uh, you know, margins have taken a hit over the past ten to twenty years. You've seen about a five to seven percent drop in margins. That's yeah. probably going to, but it's a very slow, gradual drop. Yeah. And more and more distributors are beginning to introduce more and more service fees and trying to make up for it. And then we're changing the infrastructure of our business models too. So it's no longer just 50% profit goes to this yep. huge sales force. Um, you like you guys are building a, a very organic yeah. business. Yeah. It's going to be solid. I'm going to go nerdy here, but I read a, a good article from Harvard Business Review about what makes good customer service. And the number one thing was how easy do you make it on your clients? Yeah. And, you can make it easier than e-commerce for them. Um, yes. And I think those who are, whose clients aren't fleeing to e-commerce or, or anywhere else, yeah. it's because they've made it easy. Uh, yeah. The, the distributor has made it easy for their client to buy. I like that phrase, easier than e-commerce, because we yeah. have the perception that it's easy. But you, we've been on, all been on the 4imprint website. I'm not knocking 4imprint, yeah. but we've all been on We know how complex it is. And I remember somebody saying, I've been on the 4imprint website. It's difficult. I'm in the business, and it's difficult for me to process in order. And it's not that. even just our industry. I mean, if you think about it, you, you actually, when you go shopping online, yeah. you do waste a lot of time. Yeah. You know, you essentially doing the product research. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is time consuming. Imagine this. <laughs> yes. Calling someone at the mall and saying, hey, I need some shoes. And they come back with 15 different options and send you three pairs of shoes as samples and don't charge you for one thing. And they say, which one would you like? And you say, I want this pair. Yeah. And you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. That's what we do. That's way better than e-commerce. Yeah. I love that. That's staying. That's magic. That's right. magic. He, he <laughs> that is absolute just magic. magic. That's so great. <laughs> so true, though. Yeah. And you're building these high-touch response times, everything else, the creative. As long as you're staying on top of that and building that, they're not going to go away. Right. They trust you. Guys, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank but, you. We've enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SkewCast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SkewCast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.